What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan, and I'm the host of the Butch Trek Podcast. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and please leave us a review. But before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsor. Are you a business owner and struggling to manage the finances behind your business? Or maybe you're spending endless amounts of time trying to determine the overall financial direction. If so, I want to acknowledge my company, Financial Automation. Through the creation of custom financial dashboards to financial consulting to financial literacy education, we're committed to helping entrepreneurs take control of the finances behind their businesses. If you're interested in learning more, go to www.financialautomation.co and book your free strategy call. Now, onto the show. What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Trek Podcast here with my friend Tyler Bassetti. He is an expert in credit and real estate, and we're going to be talking a lot about that today and how it's affecting the economy as we see it because of COVID, the pandemic, so on and so forth. Tyler, how's it going, man? Very good, man. Very good. Nice to uh, get back on here with you and definitely appreciate the opportunity. All is well in sunny Mexico. There you go, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So Tyler is with Jeff and Cobb. I don't know if anyone else is there and they're just kind of living it up, um, which is kind of like the definition, in my opinion, of financial freedom, being able to work whenever you want, wherever you want and still be able to make money. So I think that's really, really cool. But let's go ahead and dive in because... COVID has been around for shit, I don't know, six months now, maybe, maybe five months. And I know the credit and real estate spaces have been drastically changed, but let's start with one credit. And I'm sure they both are synonymous. They probably have the changes that are affecting each simultaneously, but how has credit been affected in regards to how easy it is to get it, interest rates, so on and so forth? Yeah. Yeah. Really, uh, really good question. And a really interesting uh, situation with, you know, the pandemic and how it really affects the overall economy, how it affects day-to-day businesses. But to answer your question specifically with credit, um, you know, you probably see me post this on social media all the time, but what people need to understand is credit is truly the foundation of people's finances. So if you're looking to go to college and get a student loan if you're looking to get your your first car and finance your first car or buy a home, start a new business venture, buy an investment property, get better insurance premiums, uh, you know, save money on the terms when you finance a house or finance a car, and even get an apartment or apply for a new job, at some point you are going to need uh, credit and ideally good credit. And where we're kind of seeing this, uh, you know, right now, specifically with what I do is, uh, you know, overall with our company, uh, you know, my partner, Jeff and I at 0%, we help entrepreneurs leverage credit and leverage uh, creative financing options to, again, scale their business, build additional streams of income by acquiring an investment property or partnering with our team, specifically with our credit repair services which you do those things when you build a profitable business, leveraging other people's money. And when you create additional streams of income, it's almost inevitable that you're going to build long-term generational wealth. So that's our philosophy uh, at 0% um, because everything truly comes down to credit uh, specifically for entrepreneurs. So with credit, I know something that has been, um, Huge right now in terms of financing and getting loans and whatnot is that small business loan. 
So I believe it was $10,000 had to be used for uh, payroll or overhead stuff, stuff of that sorts. Is that still available for people who are still needing it or has that kind of been dried up? Yeah. Um, you know, things, things are changing every day, uh, with like Congress and the SBA loans and, you know, specifically the, the PPP program, if that's what you're referring to. Um, I think that's going to be going away in the next two to three weeks. There's a lot of talk right now with uh, a second overall stimulus package coming out, but what is definitely interesting to see right now with credit, um, kind of going back to your first question is, overall financial institutions, they make money by, by lending money, right? AKA credit. When you go to buy a house, um, that is essentially, you know, you getting your credit pulled in order to uh, qualify for that house, but there's a massive liquidity problem right now. And what I mean is if, if, if you have 40 million Americans that go unemployed, you have to protect yourself by having stricter credit requirements, right? instead of qualifying for a house with a 620 credit score, a lot of the major banks are now requiring, you know, in the high 680, if not 700 plus range to right. just simply buy a house. Now, yes, rates are low, you know, as we do this podcast in the middle of the summer of, of 2020. Um, but also it kind of goes back to what I just said. There were at one point 40 million Americans uh, that were unemployed and a crazy statistic to know is the bottom one third. So I think that's going to be interesting to see uh, some of that stuff unfold over the next, you know, upcoming months and really over the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah. And, and let's, let's unpack this because I, I feel like we're going to get on the economy a little bit, but with the talks about a second stimulus package being approved, how would that affect unemployment? Because if, if you look at the unemployment numbers right now, they're higher than they've ever been. Now, I believe that a lot of people are staying unemployed because of the unemployment benefits. They're making more than they would make at a regular job, right? So if they approve another stimulus package, how is that going to affect the economy? And how is that going to affect unemployment? Yeah, yeah, really good question. Um, you probably understand the basic, uh, you know, foundation of supply and demand, right? right? Right. If supply goes up, demand goes down. And the best way to look at that, of how that's going to affect the economy is, uh, funny enough, Jeff and I were literally just talking about this yesterday. The, the, the spending power in terms of the, the stimulus plan that pumped out all of this money uh, over the last few months has basically uh, decreased by 28% this time last year. So just in one year, right, in one year, there is 28% more cash in the economy, which means that your dollar is now worth essentially 28% less than what it was last year. Right, right now, there's a lot of different ways to go you know, with that statistic, um, but ultimately, it's supply and demand rule 101, right? If they print off more money and have a, uh, another stimulus plan, right? Not only is there a psychological effect of programming people to be uh, an employee of the government, if you will, right. but also you are depowering the, the dollar. Yep. Right. And so if these people have a job, I think that the, the coronavirus uh, pandemic was the halt of the industrial revolution and into the quote unquote new age of technology. Um, if those 40 million people have a job, or if they don't have a job, 
the fact of the matter is you're either going to be stuck in that bottom one third and become, you know, codependent, or you have to take this time to acquire new skills. Right. And, uh, you know, be more, more, uh, valuable, you know, to the overall, the overall world and, and provide more production to the yeah. GDP and, and overall, you know, growth. So, yeah. And, and I, and I think this is kind of circling back because just like you said, people need to be learning new skills. Now you and I both know that sometimes when you want to, let me backtrack a lot of times having a lot of money helps you make even more money, which is kind of like what y'all do is funding people to invest in businesses, invest in real estate, so on and so forth. So how important is it now? And, and this is, I think this is kind of a hard question because it's kind of a backwards thing where it's like, okay, I don't have any money. You want me to take a loan out to invest and make more money. But do you think it's important for people who maybe can't get a job and maybe don't know where to go? Maybe they don't have another skill or haven't learned another skill. Would you suggest that they work with you guys to get funding, to invest in real estate, to somehow make money for themselves and their family so they can build off of that and create something else? Yeah. And that's where we've done a great job the last like six months is really understanding our target audience. You know, our target audience is entrepreneurs that I already have at least one or two skills. They already have clear direction because I mean, look, 70% of people that go and and invest into like a networking group or uh, invest into a business is actually going to go take action. Right. Uh, Which is funny because there's a correlation of 78% of Americans also being paycheck to paycheck. But the number one mistake that people make when it comes to uh, investing or starting a new business venture or just overall the, the worst mistake when it comes to money itself is people use their own cash to go buy that investment property, to go start that business venture. And, uh, and when you understand how to use other people's money, a simple personal and or business 0% credit card to go start that venture, it allows you to be more safe and secure when you have some bumps in the road, right? right? Uh, when you have to, you know, scale in certain areas and or spend in certain areas that you may not have originally predicted. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that's a really good point. You know, it's, and you might have grown up the same way. I feel like it's kind of our generation where my parents were always, you know, no credit cards, no, no credit, no loans, nothing, because I guess maybe their parents had an issue with them. And it, I feel like it wasn't a very sexy topic back then, but nowadays it's a pretty sexy topic. You know, I want the MX gold. I want the MX platinum. I want to get free travel. I want to get free this, free that. It's, well, here's, here's why. Uh, in my personal opinion is like your parents' generation, my parents' generation. Um, for those that, that don't know the four quadrants by Robert Kiyosaki. I mean, a lot of our, quote unquote, life mentors, our uncle, our parents, they were all employees, right? So, you know, I just realized, yeah, you probably shouldn't go get a lot of credit. You probably, you probably don't need the MX gold to right? Because you're an employee, you exchange your number one asset, which is time to go work for somebody else. And you buy liabilities and that's okay. That's the life you want to live. But I think now in 2020, we're starting to see it now more than ever. Uh, with technology and, and with our generation that there is an abundance amount of ways to make money. And ultimately, I think that there's going to be way more entrepreneurs uh, over the next 24 months because 
a lot of people just realized, wow, I was relying on somebody else. And that's why I don't have a job anymore. And they are going to go from the employee category of the quadrant down to either self-employed or a business owner. Right. And when you go from that category from an employee to self-employed and a business owner, and you're using your own cash, again, that's the number one mistake uh, that you'll make. And, right. and chances of you failing is going to be you know, higher as well versus using credit. Yeah. And, and you know, after we spoke the last time, uh, or be between the last time we spoke and now I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I had never read it. I don't know why, but something that made a lot of sense to me is the, the money that these people make, the majority of it, they called it phantom income, which is like, you're, you're probably familiar with that. But for those of you who are listening, who don't know what it is, essentially kind of what Tyler and Jeff do at zero percent is when you utilize credit to invest in assets, you are actually making more money because you are not spending your hard earned already taxed money on that asset. So the people who utilize credit to invest in assets, it's essentially tax free because other people's money, you're not paying taxes on that money. So I want you to expand on that because I feel like that's such a hard concept for people to fathom and people don't maybe not necessarily think I can't use credit to invest in assets. I can't use credit to invest in real estate, but I obviously you can. So I'd like for you to expand on that to kind of teach my audience of how that's even possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the first thing people need to understand is what is an asset and what is a liability, right? Right. It's, it's very simple. All it is, is an asset appreciates, which means that it's going to go up in value over time and it brings in monthly cash flow. So let's use an investment property as an example. I buy a hundred thousand dollar investment property in Columbus, Ohio. And historically speaking over the last 50 years in Columbus, Ohio, it's going to appreciate 2% more year after year, ideally keep up with inflation. Okay. So I'm not going to keep that. Let's say I paid cash for, it. I'm not going to keep that hundred thousand dollars in my bank account and earn 0.01%. Right. Right. And also on that hundred thousand dollar property, I'm bringing in after paying my mortgage, after paying interest, after paying taxes, insurance, a property manager, I am completely hands off with the property. It also brings in, let's say, $300 additional cash flow. That is an asset. That $300, when I go to a financial institution and apply for a car, apply for another loan, or overall look at my overall balance sheet at the end of the month or at the end of the year, it's going to say Tyler Bosetti and his business made $300 more from this, this piece of property. Right. Right. And a liability it may stay the same in price and or depreciate as a car. You go buy a $50,000 car. You know, what do they say? You drive off the lot and you lose $10,000, but also it takes $500 out of your pocket every month, mm -hmm. right? Yes, technically there's ways. And I'll give you an example. You can turn a liability potentially to an asset, but uh, the fact of the matter is, is, uh, it's pretty rare that you're going to be able to, you know, write off that car. Um, you know, when you go to get your credit pulled, they're going to count that $500 against your income. When you go to qualify with banks, uh, the only time that you can kind of get creative after you put up enough assets, after you have X amount of money, uh, you know, invested in your business, you can kind of go buy 
a liability and potentially treat it as an asset. Let's say you go buy a nice car, you know, let's say Jeff and I go buy a nice car and we use, um, use that car as, you know, a way to, to increase our lifestyle, but also we, we do some marketing ads in the car. Right. 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 And that allows people to come in and buy one of our, our products or services that can technically, you know, in a weird way, in an indirect way, bring in some a monthly cash flow. But that's what people need to understand. Number one is what's an asset versus a liability. Well, if it doesn't go up in value historically over time, and also more importantly, it doesn't bring in monthly cash flow. It's 100% a liability, right? Um, so I think that's what's, that's what's really important. And then even going back to the example of the investment property, let's say you can't pay $100,000 in cash for that investment property. And let's say that you have to put 20% down. What we are teaching people how to do specifically in real estate is how to 100% finance the property or even if you do work a nine to five or you do have a business, you have to put 20% down, which is $20,000. Let's say that that individual has to work two months, right? 160 plus hours to get that $20,000. We're saying, hey, look, if your credit's aligned, you meet these qualifications, you can go apply for one simple business, 0% credit card. And when you pull the cash out of the card and then finance the rest of the project, you know, the, the finance the remaining uh, $80,000. Congratulations. You never touched your own cash. That $20,000 ideally went back into your business to right. scale your income and, or it went to a, uh, another property and, or it went to, you know, um, an investment brokerage account, right? Something right. that you're protecting mid to long term. Right. Um, so that, that is like the true foundation. And when you use a business credit card that is not reporting utilization, so it's not going to be negatively affecting uh, your credit as well. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that you did a really good job of explaining that. Cause I think a lot of individuals out there do lack that knowledge on the difference between assets and liabilities, which, you know, we could go down a rabbit hole of why school sucks because they don't really teach about that. But, um, Let's dive a little deeper into this process. So you pull cash out of a credit card, right? Is there not interest rates involved with pulling cash out or is there? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So most of the time, if you pull cash out of a credit card, you, you get hit with like a cash advance fee, which is very expensive. It's usually like over 20%. Yep. Um, but there's ways that you can effectively pull cash out through, uh, specific merchant accounts. There's one called Plastique, P-L-A-S-T-I-Q, Plastique.com. And all you would do is, let's say I have a, a American Express blue business credit card and there's a $20,000 limit and I'm buying that $100,000 property and I'm financing. Uh, there's really four ways to finance a real estate deal. And that is going to uh, a government, you know, getting a government loan which is what most people are aware of, FHA, conventional VA. You're going to uh, uh, a lender that does residential and or one to four unit uh, properties, right? So right. that's the government route. The second way is a portfolio type of loan, uh, which is more of local credit unions, smaller banks, where they're essentially lending their own cash uh, as, as a bank versus the government's money uh, and or the quote unquote secondary markets money. And then the third way is 
cash and or credit. And then last but not least is, uh, you know, you know, hard money and or private money. Most people get started when they buy, you know, real estate, they're going to a residential lender, they're exchanging six months of their life to save up to $20,000 and put the down payment down. They go to a residential lender and they buy their first single family investment property. That's great. That's wonderful. Uh, but if all you have to do is go to that same lender, verify that your, your credit is aligned, verify that you have qualified income and verify that the assets align. There's a few different ways that you can make sure you're legally doing this properly. And that is, let's say you do have $20,000 in your bank account for the down payment. What you can do is you can put the $20,000 of quote unquote cash out of your account down, but then you can just pull the cash out of the card uh, through plastic and, or what I've done when I first got started, I was used, I would use my business credit cards to use plastic.com and they would, they would charge me like a three and a half percent fee, a really, really small fee. Mm -hmm. And all I had to share with them is what's called a HUD one settlement statement. It's just a simple document that you get from the mortgage lender and the title company that verifies this is Tyler Bosetti and or Tyler Bosetti's business entity, LLC acquiring one, two, three main street. And here's the terms of the, of the deal, right? They're just making sure plastics, making sure when I wire this $20,000 credit card through and it goes to the title company is in fact me buying the property uh, right. for safety precautions. Right. So I would get hit with, you know, whoop to do a few hundred dollars of fees, but my $20,000 is going back into our businesses to go make us way more money than a few hundred dollars. Exactly. And then you're using, I'm assuming the cash flow, monthly cash flow from that property to make that quote unquote minimum payment on that card. Exactly. You do not use credit other than this one reason and this one reason only. You use credit to produce more income right. at the end of the day, right? There's obviously other reasons. Let's say, again, 78% of people are paycheck to paycheck, uh, likely due to high interest credit cards, right? right? Um where you could just balance transfer the $20,000 of high interest onto to new cards, right? Uh, or if you're preparing for a recession, right? You can consistently acquire credit and have it ready to go to deploy into, uh, you know, and deploy into discounted assets such as, a, you know, five investment properties. Um, and you use it to scale, right? Um, but at the end of the day, if you just keep it simple, I'm using this credit card to go produce more income and to acquire assets. Right. That's it. Uh, you know, that, that's my 100% uh, strategy. I use credit to scale the business and I use credit to acquire assets. And from awesome. those assets, guess what? I produce cash, uh, cash flow. From that cash flow, I can pay down the cards if I wish. Or what I can do in six months, let's say, is during that six month period, Brady, I could add $10,000 of value into the property. I can I can paint the walls, change the carpet, you know, upkeep it a little bit. And now that property is not worth 110,000. It's worth 130,000. Right. And then I'll do the birth strategy where I buy it, rehab a little bit. I can throw tenants in there, you know, rent it. And then I can refinance it, get a majority of my cash that I had in there to pay off the credit card and move on to the next deal. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like there's a really curated strategy to this. And I'm asking these questions because I want people to really understand uh, not only what it is you do, but how to 
efficiently and effectively utilize credit to acquire assets, i.e. real estate. So I'm going to throw another question at you. Let's say someone comes to you and says, hey, Tyler, um, I, I, I can't get 20. I want this property. It's 100000 valued at $100,000. Um, I don't have $20,000 in cash to put the 20% down. I do have $20,000 in credit cards, but it's across five different cards, right? Is that, is there one point where you'll say, well, let's wait, let's get you a card that has $20,000 altogether, or let's utilize all five of these credit cards together to ensure that you get the property now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, again, it kind of goes back to how you finance a deal. Um, what most people fail at when it comes to real estate, uh, and, or, you know, really anything they're trying to do, but specifically with real estate is their focus on like the third step. Right. Versus the first step. This is this is what it takes to, to get into real estate. Find a deal. Understand what you're going to do with the deal and or have a team that understands what to do with the deal. Raise the money and disposition the deal. Right. In terms of actually, you know, making sure the, the process flow. Right. So what most people are trying to do, Brady, is they're trying to, well, how am I going to get the money? How am I going to, how am I going to go get the $20,000 for the down payment? No, no, no. You're looking at it different. Go find the deal first. Right. Then you can go talk to your family and friends and, or to your, your colleagues and say, look, here's the deal. I can buy it for this price. Here's how much work may or may not need to go into it. Here's the comparable properties in the area that have sold in the last six to 12 months in a mile radius, right? A, a comp in the area. And let's say you're working with a, a realtor, which I highly recommend uh, to keep emotions out between you and the seller uh, and to make sure that, you know, stuff on the contract and on the back end are aligned. But they're like, yeah, this is a great deal. You know, I just sold a property over here three months ago, right? Uh, that's way easier to go to people and say, hey, I need to raise $20,000 from you. And then those five credit cards, you use it for something else. Or right. Uh, again, to kind of really answer your question, yeah, you can absolutely use multiple cards um, yeah. to facilitate that down payment. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, man. I, I want to hit this from all angles because I assume what you guys do, you do get a lot of questions like this. People just want to know because as I went, as I you know asked before, we were kind of raised in this world that credit is bad. At least I was. And then when I started dabbling in it and I started getting points and I use those points to buy free flights and get free stuff, I'm like, this is not why is this a bad thing? Like I'm, I'm keeping the card paid off. Like I'm not paying any interest. I don't, I don't understand. So I, I like the fact of what you and Jeff are doing because I think you're empowering people to utilize credit, but not only utilizing credit for personal expenses, but utilizing to actually create more cash flow. And I think that's the most important thing, especially in the coronavirus is how can I make more money without putting, putting up any of my own money, right? And I think credit is the easy, easiest route to do that you know, credit is bad. And you said, once you started using credit, you know, in a simple way, you're able to leverage it for travel. Um, and that's kind of where you, you fell off. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and that's the thing, man, you know, like my parents, some of my friends' parents, I don't know if your parents, but I was raised that credit is, is bad and to never get into that hole. But since then I've been able to utilize it for free travel, free stuff, and I'm not paying any interest because I'm taking care of the cards and I'm doing balance transfers. I'm opening up new zero percent cards. So I think when you're strategic about it, it works. But what I love about what you and Jeff are doing is you're teaching people how to use other people's money to make money, especially during the pandemic. 
And I think that's the coolest mm -hmm. thing is people just aren't aware that credit can be used to make money. They think credit is just a way to buy more things, yeah. not necessarily assets, but liabilities. So I think when you educate, and I think educates the big word there. When you educate on the possibilities of what credit can do for you, that's huge because I think credit can, like you said, be the foundation of someone's financial plan, financial future, whatever. It's just being able to accept the fact that credit is good and it's not bad. You know, good credit produces income. So yeah, most people have been wired that credit is used to buy non-utility items. That's again, the whole philosophy is entrepreneurs leveraging credit to scale their business, uh, you know, add additional streams of income, buying their first, if not a hundredth investment property and or partnering with our team, uh, you know, to build out a turnkey credit repair business as well, right. uh, where they can earn residual income by, you know, using our entire fulfillment side, yeah. which again, you do those things, you have a highly profitable business and you invest properly, you're going to have, you know, long-term and generational wealth. Yeah. And I think that's another key too, is too many individuals. And I, th I think we're maybe starting to get away from our generation, but thinking long-term wealth rather than right now wealth. I think people are so focused on getting that huge payday now when it's like, okay, let's focus on just living below your means now, making the money, invest, reinvesting it, whatever, and creating that consistent cash flow so that down the road, whenever, when you want to do whatever the hell you want to do, you have the capital to do that. Right. And I think it's our generation not thinking I want it now and thinking like I will put in the work now and I'll reap the rewards later. Yep. It's usually because people are for for the most part are in uninspiring jobs. They're around uninspiring people mm -hmm. and uninspiring environment. Uh just, you know, posted today and a big reason why uh, you know, we're down here is in our environment. So you're just more creative. You are, uh, you know, living life truly on your own terms. And it's really hard. You know, it's, it's really hard to get toxic people and environments out of your life. Uh, because a lot of times that is people that you may or may not look up to, which may probably fall into the category of being, being paycheck to paycheck, which just leads to an abundance of other, other issues, but totally agree. Yeah. No, I think that's huge. Something you hit on is, is being around or being in an under inspiring environment, uh, specifically for the people around you, whether that's a family member, a friend, a uh, significant other, whatever that might be. I posted something on Facebook and Instagram the other day, uh, just kind of about the entrepreneurial life, right? There's a lot of people on social media that preach how the entrepreneurial life is great. Uh, you're making all this money, you're buying all these things. And I'm like, I, I said in the post, to be completely honest, a lot of this stuff is hard, right? It mm -hmm. requires a lot of brain power, requires a lot of uh, failures to get where you want to be. And someone commented and said, well, how do I actually enjoy the process of the entrepreneurial life, working hard day in and day out when I have people around me that are constantly bringing me down? And I said, you just need to ignore them, whether it's a family member, a friend, whatever. If you can't physically get away from them, just ignore their criticism because I think there is power and not responding to people who are trying to have a negative effect on you. But I'd love to hear your opinion on that because I know, especially with what y'all are doing in credit investing in real estate, I can almost guarantee y'all have gotten some negative feedback of like that. There's no way that shit works. Uh, I would go get a regular job. I would be safe. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you would say to someone who is enacting negative criticism on you and your lifestyle. 
Yeah, we never get negative feedback ever. Really? Um, I'm teasing. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a complete joke. Uh, if you don't get negative feedback, that means you're probably not doing shit. Right. At the end of the day, if, if you're not getting uh, criticized, then you are probably doing nothing. And you are probably the one criticizing. Uh, you look at the greatest of all time in sports. Uh, you look at the Michael Jordans, the LeBron James, Tom Brady's. What, what happens to them every single waking moment of their life? They're being criticized because they are doing something, right? Uh, but they're also doing something that they're very passionate and inspired by. Here is when I started to make that mental shift in my mind to know, wow, this is not what I want to do forever. And I was around great people. Uh, I was around a good environment and a good culture. But personally for me, being a true, true entrepreneur and look, face the facts, you may not be an entrepreneur right? If it's, if it's too hard for you, right? You just may not be an entrepreneur. You may be what I call an intrapreneur where a true entrepreneur can hire you and you can be a high level account manager for them and help them grow a pillar of their business. Right. And you can be creative and be highly valuable. And then you can also invest in the real estate on the side and be quote unquote, you know, a business owner there. Uh, That's what, that's what people have to face the facts of as well. But kind of going back to, you know, what I was saying there is when I, when I got like four months in a row of a bigger paycheck after a bigger paycheck after a bigger paycheck in the mortgage industry, which I dropped out of college to do and committed hours upon hours to grow and hired, you know, friends and and whatnot to join the team, having a time of reflection that I'm not doing. And so when I was speaking to those clients and going into an office on other people's time. Again, people that are also, one thing I've noticed as well, because I've gone down this rabbit hole mentally uh, at times as well, is that like, oh, if I post this, then that's a complete assumption, right? You just made all of that up in your head. And if there are people bringing criticism, it's because maybe they are doing it a little bit differently and or they're just doing nothing at all. Most of the time, they're probably doing nothing at all. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a good way to put it. Cause I think a lot of people struggle with that, uh, especially when they begin to put themselves out there and their ideas out there and what they want to do with their lives out there. You're always going to get negative criticism because not everyone's going to agree with your lifestyle. And that's just the world we live in. You can't really get away from it. But I think if you can train yourself to react in a constructive way, whether that's ignoring them, telling them, Hey, this is what I'm doing, whether you support me or not, or just simply removing them from your life. I think there's power in that. And I think people are so scared to do things they're uncomfortable with, which I mean, obviously, but when you have someone in your life that is causing you to go down in value rather than up, that's an issue. And I think people need to be more self-aware of who's around me that is causing me to be devalued that if I just removed from my life, I would be a stronger person because of it. And uh, that, that I don't think there's ever a perfect answer for yeah. that. I think everybody's situation is different. It's just being able to recognize that and, and take the necessary steps forward. Especially with our generation and, and you know, what everyone is trying to do is, um, you know, it's really just a potential self-sabotaging way to show people that you're better than them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and those people are likely getting more criticism because their posts, their stories, and what they're sharing is me, 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 right? Um, rather than value, 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 right? right? Like even if you are doing fun things and buying nice things and, and you should always be increasing your lifestyle, 
right? They're, they're, you should always be buying and doing things that may or may not have a quote unquote direct ROI to my bottom line, but it's a direct ROI to my happiness, a direct ROI with, uh, you know, other, you know, non-trackable on paper items. And if you turn it in a way of like, Hey, look, you can come down to Cabo and, you know, you know, being at a very big house, uh, mansion and, and do these things as well. Um, if you would leverage credit to scale your business into buying an investment property in six to 12 months, you could have the cash flow coming in to live, you know, to live in here for a month for free. Right. Yeah. I think that's really important for people to know, but we've talked about a lot. I'm going to cut it there. I think, uh, which I interviewed Ravi Abubal a second time. And I said, dude, we're going to have to have a third interview. I think same thing <laughs> for you, man. There, there's always a lot to talk about. I think we always have a good conversation because not only can we talk about money and credit and the economy and finance, but I think a lot of the internal aspects of being an entrepreneur, the mindset, I think that's something that you can continuously expand on, uh, as can I. So um, let's cut it there. I want to end with this question. I'm trying to, trying to end it in a different way, but what is your favorite thing about being in the industry that you're in? Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. And I would definitely love a, a third, a third podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think we cover, cover quite a bit, but um, favorite thing, you know, I have, mm. right. When I don't feel like I'm in control of my, my life, I can't be at the location I want to be around the people that I want to be with. Right. And, and so on and so forth. Then you start going down, that rabbit hole of uninspiring moments, man, this is really hard. Um, so having control for me is, is super key that I control my own destiny. And now I truly control my own destiny, right? right? And hundreds of thousands of people along the way, repairing their credit, investing into real estate, and helping them come into our program to reach financial independence and help them make more money. And again, create the same lifestyle that they're looking for for themselves. Right. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I, I think that's, uh, it's kind of attributed to your why, like, why are you doing what you're doing? And I think when people's why doesn't entirely align with what their favorite thing is within their business, I think that's an issue. I think people need to really, when they're chasing a certain business model, they need to have a why. Why am I doing this? It's beyond money, right? Who am I helping? What impact am I making? What am I leaving behind for my family, my friends, my kids, whatever that is. Uh, I think that's really important. I think that's really awesome. So um, yep. we're going to wrap it up there, Tyler. I do appreciate your time. Again, we will have a third interview. I think next interview, I'll just, I'll just fly to San Diego and I'll just interview you, Jeff and Ruby at <laughs> once. There you go. We'll do a little panel action. So yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it, dude. Let's do it. I appreciate it, Brady. Uh, as always, man. And I love to see, uh, your commitment and growth as well. So keep it up, dude. Really inspiring. And yeah, we'll, we'll fly you out to San Diego. There you go, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. Yep. Thanks, Brady. You too. Thanks for listening. I post episodes every Monday and Thursday at 6 a.m. Central Time, and they're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcasting platform. Check out our social media linked in the description and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.